We, uh, we do want you to start spreading the word that we'll be back at the Kenai Central High School Auditorium for Easter Sunday. We're going to have some invite cards uh, pretty soon for you to hand out and uh, uh, just let people know. Uh, we, you are kind of the, the primary source of uh, inviting uh, those people in our community to come and worship on Resurrection Sunday. So. Uh, I want you to just be thinking of who you might be able to invite and uh, give them an invite card and uh, so they have all the time and place and all of that uh, at their disposal. Well, today um, we are going to launch uh, from Psalm 61 and verse 2. This is a, a favorite psalm of mine. It ministered to me at a really crucial moment in my life and, and I'm not going to really go into that today. It's not my point, but I, I love the the message that it brings to us, uh, you know, in, in uh, reaching out to the Lord when we feel overwhelmed. Now, I know everybody, you know, all of us, 100% of us experience being overwhelmed, but, um, you know, I, there are probably people here today that are feeling some sense of being overwhelmed even right now. You know, it's like on the outside, we look just fine, but inside we're kind of anxious and, and uh, not sure exactly what, you know, we're going to do about certain situations in our life. And, and uh, you know, uh, I, I think it's important that uh, as Christians and believers that we not accept this as a way of life for us. And uh, we have to learn how to deal with the things that, that uh, take away our capacity to absorb you know, life events and, and situations uh, that affect us. Um, you know, we all have a, a capacity, and I'd, I'd like to maybe think of us as maybe a, a quart jar or something like that. And, uh, you know, when a quart jar is empty, it will, you know, when you fill it, it will hold one quart of whatever it is. You know, you pour water in there, it'll hold one quart. Um, and, and we're kind of like that. Now, you can reduce capacity uh, if you allow things to accumulate, like in that quart jar, if there's a, it's half full of sand, then it will only hold a, a, you know, a half of a quart of water. And, uh, and, and so you know, we, can, we can have our, our capacity reduced in, in that manner. Um, so how do we find ways to increase our capacity back? How do we regain that place where, you know, things that accumulate uh, in us, uh, you know, that uh, reduce our ability to not feel overwhelmed in, in this life? You know, it just, I think, um, you know, complexities in nearly everything seem to have increased in recent years. And, and uh, such feelings come to us, you know, being overwhelmed sooner or later. To, to live above and beyond this, you know, we have to learn... What, how does Scripture allow us to live above and beyond this sort of stress and, and feeling overwhelmed and, and anxious and worried at times? Uh, how do we do that? You know, and I, part of this, you know, uh, Romans chapter 12 uh, and verses 1 and 2, it says, you know, don't, don't be conformed to the, to the pressures of this world. Don't, don't allow the things that are going on around us to uh, tr push us into the world's mold. Um, but we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. 
And of course, that's where the role of scripture, the role of prayer, our role of relationship with Jesus comes in so that we can escape being pressed into the pattern of this world where, you know, we're just, uh, you know, overwhelmed and, and feeling uh, incapable of, of uh, you know, uh, absorbing the, the things that, that uh, in, we encounter. You know, in uh, regards to living in last day's prophecy, I've been talking about that for a few weeks, and, and uh, yesterday I, I just caught something. There was a, a video uh, uh, of a well-known preacher, and what caught my eye is, is the question on the title of that video, are we living in the last days? And I thought, oh, I want to see what he has to say. So I, I listened to it. And uh, he did not answer the question. I thought, not fair. <laughs> All right. uh, he said, well, we, you know, we could be. Of course, we don't know and, and all of these things. But uh, maybe it's the case of where fools rush in, where angels fear to tread. But, but I'm, I'm out there. I, I believe we are living in the last moments uh, before the Lord returns for his church. And we're seeing fulfillment of prophecy, it seems, daily um, and, uh, you know, the, the things that, that uh, Scripture has spoken to for centuries, some of it Jesus himself has spoken. Uh, prophets, old and uh, <clears throat> major and minor prophets of the Old Testament. Uh, you know, the apostles who, who wrote uh, the New Testament all speak to this time uh, just before Jesus returns for his church. And and I believe, I believe we're seeing that happen. I listened yesterday. Uh, my wife is uh, in Montana this morning and uh, helping with her dad's uh, situation. And, and so yesterday I was home and just kind of working in my garage and listening to talk radio. And, and uh, this whole anniversary of the war in Ukraine, boy, is, is that ever building. China's now trying to enter the picture and uh, kind of shoved the United States off the world stage and kind of become the new uh, spokesperson for the world and, and uh, all kinds of things going on behind the scenes. I don't even pretend to understand, but I just thought, boy, you know, I, th I think we are there. I think we are in the place where we, can, we are seeing <clears throat> biblical prophecy um, happen, uh, to happen fulfillment on a daily basis. Uh, one of the things that we believe will happen after the uh, rapture of the church, now there will be uh, Christians, believers, who will not be part of the rapture, uh, <clears throat> either they'll come to Christ post-rapture, and uh, I tell you what, if, um, if you're waiting to uh, make the, a decision of salvation in Jesus Christ, I urge you, do so today, amen? <laughs> And uh, you don't want to be on, on planet Earth uh, post-rapture, but there will be some. And uh, <clears throat> they uh, will be subject to all of the things that are happening. And, uh, and I think this is kind of uh, typical of how we often feel, you know, overwhelmed. Our capacity has been used up. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. Now this is speaking of the Antichrist and how he will persecute uh, it calls him the saints, uh, on the earth um, while he is uh, rising to power. And I think this, in effect, is, you know, this is the, what Paul uh, told the Thessalonians, uh, the uh, mystery of lawlessness is already at work, and, and this is 
what is happening now, but will be even more pronounced during the uh, Great Tribulation. So Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, it says, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. And here's, here's what I'm, I'm really pointing to. And he shall persecute. Now that word persecute, I think we understand what that means. But I like the King James version of the Bible on, on this verse. This is New King James. Uh, but <clears throat> I like the King James version. And it says, and he will wear out the saints of the Most High. Kind of gives us a kind of a different sort of uh, feel uh, about what this persecution is. He will wear out the saints of the Most High. It means that he will wear them out, oppress, exhaust, crush, harass, wear down, and, and all these external pressures that are designed to overwhelm Christians, believers, into, <clears throat> I think the end goal is to give up their faith. And, uh, and oftentimes we feel those same things. We feel worn out. Now, we uh, probably have all used the term overwhelmed to describe ourselves at different times. It's like, I'm just overwhelmed with everything that's going on. But I think we say it in a lot of other sorts of ways. Um, you know, have you ever said, okay, I can't take one more thing. I mean, have you ever been there? You know, it's like, you know, the kids aren't behaving or whatever. I'm done! <laughs> you know, and uh, we just get to our capacity. And we can't take any more. And, uh, you know, we have to somehow, you know, gain control of our situation again. And, uh, and so we want to talk about, you know, what can we do to increase our capacity uh, so that we are not living from overwhelmed to overwhelmed to overwhelmed and on and on like that. Because I don't think that's the way Jesus wants us to live. Um, I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind when he said that he came so that we might live the abundant life. Hmm. You ever wonder what the abundant life looks like? There's a lot of times where I've said, now Jesus, I don't know what the abundant life looks like, but it's not this, right? And uh, we uh, sometimes, you know, just wonder where is the abundant life but Jesus said that's what he came to give us he came to show us the abundant life and and I think part of that is is handling the the stresses of lawlessness around us um second Peter chapter two Peter's writing here and he's and he's speaking of Lot who uh lived in Sodom before Sodom's overthrow and I think the description of what's happening with Lot through just living in a lawless place, uh, I think fits us so often here. Second uh, Peter chapter two, verses six through eight, it says, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. Okay, verse seven. And delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. Now, haven't you ever felt that way? You know, that, you know we, uh, even in Lot's day, you know, the, the news was bad. You know, how many times have you heard somebody say, I don't watch the news anymore. I used to watch the news, but it's so negative and it's so bad, I just quit watching, right? Um, that's another expression of being overwhelmed. I can't take any more. It's like, shut it off. And, uh, and it was the same in, in Lot's day, you know, I don't know, you know, 
Channel 2 of Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, came on in the news at night, and, and Lot would watch it, and uh, it's bad, it's bad, and it uh, is affecting my capacity uh, to not be overwhelmed. And go back to verse 7 here, and it says, And delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man, Lot, Dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. I think you and I can relate to that at times. And, and we see all the, the, the law that is being dismantled in our country. Um, law that has uh, served us well for over 200 years that all of a sudden is being declared obsolete or or unfair, or racist, or uh, what have you, and uh, we are uh, being led in a direction of lawlessness. And uh, it vexes, and that's another good King James word, it says that it vexed his righteous soul day to day seeing the lawless deeds of the inhabitants of where he lived. And so we are subject to the same dynamics as lawlessness increases. How do we navigate this? How do we live in a way unencumbered by all of the, the difficult things that, that uh, you know, we are navigating today? It's uh, it, beyond absurd, and to even talk about them is, it seems inappropriate, all the things that they are, are making happen in our day and age. Um, so natural causes, I think, to, uh, you know, reach that place where we feel overwhelmed in, in our own spirit, in our own heart. Um, I think we can be physically exhausted. I think uh, not getting rest and talking about physical rest, you know, I, uh, you know, when we don't sleep well, and I think it includes nutrition as well, when we do not eat well, I think we are more prone to uh, feeling overwhelmed. And, you know, when we're not feeling well, when we're not feeling strong, um, I don't listen to uh, uh, the radio uh, when I'm driving to the church office. I used to, okay, I used to, every morning, uh, I'd listen to talk radio on my way into the office. And uh, by the time I got to the office, everybody was idiots, <laughs> And I would walk into the office and I was mad at everybody. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, I got to stop doing that. <laughs> so I, I don't listen to it on the way to the office. And, uh, um, and, and Scott and Joshua are, are grateful for that. So, um, but uh, this morning I got in my car and turned it on and waiting for the garage door to open. The radio came on and I left it on when I parked my car last night. And, and before I got to pushing it off, I heard something interesting. I wanted to just wait a minute. And the news was that, and it was a high percentage that they were talking about uh, people in Mexico, people who live in Mexico, and it was a high percentage, like 40%. Uh, people who live in Mexico are malnourished. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I, hmm. And they said, it's not being malnourished from a lack of food. They have plenty of food. And I thought, huh. And they said, it is a lack of nutritional food. 
that they are consuming. So in other words, they're eating highly processed foods as their main course of diet, and it's resulting in being malnourished. And uh, of course, it's affecting health and, and uh, all of these things. And I, I think you know, that's important for us to understand. In order to, to avoid being overwhelmed, we have to, we have to be well, we have to have, you know, some degree of health, you know, to the best that we can do. So we have to sleep well, we have to rest well, we have to eat, you know, nutritional food. I think that's part of it. And uh, in that, you know, our body can respond to whatever needs that uh, we encounter. Uh, second, you know, I, I think the, this probably huge is, is that we, we get emotionally spent. Not only do we get physically spent, but we get emotionally spent. And uh, sometimes our body's just fine, but emotionally, you know, maybe because of conflict or maybe because, you know, we, we uh, see things that just, you know, confuse us or, or make us angry and, and uh, we're not sure how to respond to that. We can be emotionally spent. Um, and then we can be overcome with worry and anxiety. I think, you know, that stems from a lot of things, you know, financially. And uh, we can be... Uh, worried about how we're going to get along financially or things that are beyond our control, things that other people are doing that we have no control over. Sometimes we get wrapped up in that or perceived threats, uh, whatever. And, uh, and, and those are things that we, uh, we have to know what to do with. Um, the uh, subject of spiritual warfare, I've been kind of talking about some of that in the last few weeks. I think we have to be wise because the enemy is out to destroy us. I mean, you know, Jesus said, you know, the thief doesn't come except to steal from us, to kill, and to destroy. Um, and, and, you know, we, we run into conflict. There's always, there is always calling cards of the enemy in spiritual warfare in our lives. And sometimes we don't pick up on it. Sometimes we don't we don't really recognize it for what it is. But I'll tell you, anytime there's conflict, there's spiritual warfare going on. Anytime there's offense, there's spiritual warfare going on. When people are offended, the enemy is at work. When we are in conflict with one another, the enemy is at work. And when you run into conflict, when you run into offense, understand that we are in spiritual warfare. Those are just two really broad, probably most common ways that we can recognize uh, that we are under spiritual oppression or spiritual warfare. Um, you know, even um, well-regarded figures of Scripture, uh, highly spiritual and powerful people that God used to even to do miracles, uh, if you cover the uh, life of Elijah the prophet, one of the major prophets of the Old Testament, First uh, Kings chapter 19, now, now that follows chapter 18. Now chapter 18 the, in the life of Elijah was kind of one of the pinnacles of Elijah's ministry. And that's where he, he faced the 400 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And, uh, you know, the, there was... Uh, he got the attention of, of the nation of Israel, and he says, you, you need to choose who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve God, or are you going to serve the Baals? And, uh, and he, they had a showdown on top of Mar Mount Carmel, and, and uh, the prophets of Baal were allowed to go first, and, and, the, and the situation was whoever 
who, whose ever God answers by fire, that's who we will serve. And so uh, the prophets of Baal, 400 of them, um, began to cry out to their God. They had their sacrifice, and all day long they cried out with no response and uh, even resorted to, in desperate ways to, they started slashing themselves and, and uh, the graphic language of Scripture says that, you know, the blood was gushing out as uh, they're trying to uh, appease their God, Baal, to, to uh, consume the sacrifice. And after all day long, they finally were exhausted and, and uh, Elijah came to the altar of the Lord that was there and it was broken down. He repaired it, set it up, set the sacrifice in order upon it. And then he dug a ditch around the altar of the Lord and commanded that water be poured over uh, the sacrifice. And uh, they did it again and again and again until the trench that Elijah had dug around the altar was even full of water. And uh, he prayed a simple prayer just saying, Lord, you are the one true God and these people have forgotten that. Would you answer by fire? to show that you are God. And the, the fire of God fell from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, and even the water in the trench that was around the sacrifice. And, and the people responded and, and uh, began to worship the Lord, he is God. Lord, he is God. And so this is an incredible uh, victory um, for Elijah. But just following that, uh, after this great victory, and Israel is, even for a short time, is returning to the Lord. Uh, Jezebel, Ahab's wife, King Ahab's wife, uh, hears of this and threatens Elijah's life, and he is overwhelmed. And he, and he runs into the wilderness to hide and to get away from the threat on his life. And, and uh, 1 Kings 19 uh, and verse 4 uh, Elijah said, you know, God, I'm overwhelmed. Just take my life. I might as well die because I am done. So even spiritual giants like Elijah experience that kind of feeling overwhelmed. And uh, other uh, prophets, uh, Jeremiah, um, you know, got to the point where, you know, he was preaching and the people were rejecting the message that uh, God had, had commanded him to preach. And and finally, Jeremiah sits down and he says, I will no more speak in his name. I am done. And, uh, and yet he, uh, he couldn't forbear because he said the, the word of God was like fire shut up in his bones. And so he got through that, but he was feeling overwhelmed. Daniel, um, from some of the things that he saw prophetically, um, that uh, he fainted and was sick for days. And so we... We find, you know, that even spiritual people, people who recognize spiritual giants or leaders, we all are subject to the same kinds of emotions and, and physical needs of our body and, and uh, feeling overwhelmed and just being in the environment of lawlessness. And we, like I keep saying, we, we're seeing an increase of this like never before, uh, can wear us out in our capacity to be able to uh, continue. So, what do we do? 
Where do we find ways to increase our capacity? How do we take whatever capacity that we have and make it larger for us to be able to navigate? Because, you know, God created us so that we could navigate these things. He created us and gave us ways to respond if we will avail ourselves to that so that we can live uh, the abundant life that's still a possibility. And even in the midst of darkness and evil and growing lawlessness, I believe the promise of the abundant life is still valid and for us. And we can live abundantly. Um, I want to just look at it, some ideas here. Um, how... How do we unload unnecessary things that weigh us down? I think of, of so many things that uh, weigh us down and cause us to lose capacity uh, that we are unnecessary for us to carry around. You know, and if, if you want to go back to the, the quart jar illustration here, uh, you know, when, it, when it's half full of rocks or sand or whatever, it limits the capacity to put water in there. And how do we how do we remove the rocks and the sand that are, are are taking up the capacity that we have? Well, we just need to unload it. How do we do that with our with our lives? How do we do that with our hearts? I think one of the things that, uh, if you will, is the rocks and the sand that begin to fill up our the capacity of of our heart are are things that uh, probably the most common we've already mentioned today is is offense and unforgiveness. I think those are things that absolutely use up our capacity that we do not have to carry around. Um, we need to let those things go. We need to forgive. I, I don't know why um, Christian, good Christian, wonderful people uh, find it so hard to forgive. I don't understand that. Um, and, uh, you know, even in myself, sometimes it's just hard to let it go. But I, we have to understand that our inability to forgive uses up capacity in us. And, uh, and, and so if we want to increase that, we need to let go. We need to forgive. We need to surrender it to Jesus. Uh, it was never meant for us to hang on to. It will wear us down and for no uh, reason. Stopping and taking inventory of all those kinds of things and begin to forgive, you know, it, it's, it's so humbling. Uh, it's, it's so difficult for us to do. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 6 through 8. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8. He says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's the way that starts out. What does it mean to humble ourselves? Um, I think sometimes when we read this, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. I don't know what kind of picture that, that brings to your mind, but being exalted is, you know, in our minds, um, you know, God is somehow going to set us on a pedestal or, you know, make us the object of everybody's admiration or, or whatever. And, I, and that's, that's not the point at all, I don't think. Um, humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God is obeying him. And sometimes we don't want to obey him. If you've ever raised children, do your children always want to obey you? Then sometimes we are just the same with God. God has told, told us clearly, you know what? You need to forgive. You need to let go. You need to move 
past this, and we don't want to. And, and here Peter is saying, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Don't allow uh, you know, your own unforgiveness to rob you from the blessing of God and living the abundant life. Um, here, we, we, can, we can see where this goes. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Look at verse 7. Casting all your care upon him. How do, we, how do we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God? We cast all of our care upon him. What are the things that, that weigh you down with care? Mention those things. Um, uh, unforgiveness, uh, conflict, um, you know, those are, those are things, offense, we, those things will take us out of God's blessing and, and reduce our capacity to absorb the, the things and challenges of the world around us. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. When uh, maybe, you know, with your children, you see them burdened by a load of care, um, our heart goes out to our kids. You know, we, can't, we, can't, we can lead the horse to water, but we can't well, make them drink, can we? But when they're under a load of care, you know, I, um, there's national um, news story of a young lady that was bullied to the point at school that she took her own life. You know, and, and uh, we, uh, you know, when we see our kids carrying that load of care, we just say, you know what? It's going to be okay. I wish you'd just let that go. And that's what God does to us. He sees us laboring under, under that load of care that we have no point and, and no advantage in carrying. And he just, he invites us, cast your care upon him. He cares for you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to restore your capacity. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. That's the, the spiritual warfare aspect of that. And that he is seeking to devour you. He's seeking to overwhelm you. He's uh, wanting uh, to defeat you. Um, so un unload these unnecessary things. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Just obey him and, and hand those things over to him. Uh, number two, spend time. And I'm, I'm talking real time. You know, make it actually happen in, in prayer. Um, I think prayer is easily the most underutilized advantage that we have. And uh, we, you know, find it difficult to stop and pray um, I, many of the time, I, I've been challenged at different times to pray one hour. Have you ever prayed one hour? I, I remember sitting down and thinking, I, I am going to pray an hour here. And, and I mean, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and, and prayed around the world. And uh, I looked at the clock and five minutes had gone by. <laughs> and uh, I thought, man, I don't even know what else to pray for. Um, you know, just showed my lack of ability in prayer. Um, but, you know, spending time in prayer, prayer is restorative for us, you know, and, and it's not just asking God for things. 
It's not just, Lord, you know, I need this or need that, or, you know, could you do this for me, or, you know, could you do this, something for me as well? And, and, uh, and that's really not the whole point of prayer, but that relationship, restore that relationship. I love Isaiah 40. It's familiar to you. We've sung it. We have recited it. We've read it. Um, but one thing I th- don't think we do very often is do it. Um, you know, we, like I said, we'll sing about, sing this, this uh, verse of scripture, we'll quote it, but we don't spend very much time actually doing it. Isaiah 40, verse 30, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. That's powerful. If we would just wait on the Lord, talk about restoring capacity, all of those things that weigh us down, that cause us to feel overwhelmed, uh, will he'll help us to remove and restore our ability to live life in a, in a happy and joyful way. Um, I think uh, this is part of this next point I want to make, and I think it's important that we discipline ourselves to rest. Um, you know, and, and it might actually be literally taking a nap. Um, you know, I, I'm just always kind of chuckle at my own children and now my grandchildren, you know, about that age. They get, they get about close to two years old, and they no longer think they need naps. Hmm? Isn't that true? And you say, you know, hey, let's, uh, let's take a nap. And I don't want a nap, you know. And, and uh, you know, they can even emotionally, you know, when, when uh, their little capacity is, is overwhelmed and, and a, just a nap would just do so much for them. You know, they go, I don't need a nap, you know. And you just know that that is exactly what they need. And, uh, you know, I think we're, we're kind of that way as well. And whether it might be an actual nap or, or not, probably wouldn't hurt us. But discipline ourselves to uh, rest, to find that place of rest. And, you know, rest is, is making an intentional break from relentless things, things that drive us, things that weary us. You know, being driven, I, I just think that, that is just one of the hazards of, of this life. Um, you know, and sometimes the energy and nervousness and all that, you know, I, I experience that all the time, you know, before church, uh, oftentimes, or, you know, like we were, we had our Pinewood Derby on Friday night and, you know, everything was, you know, the lights are on, everything's set, you know, all those things are accomplished, but they're just waiting for everybody to show up and, and, uh, just, I just pace, I just pace. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything, but I just pace. And, uh, you know, it's all that nervous energy inside. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes we just need to stop and just break. Just allow ourselves to relax for a moment. There's so much in Scripture about rest, um, starting from the creation of the world. That God created the world in six days. And on the seventh day, he did what? He rested. And that has been a pattern for us. The, the Sabbath is a day of rest. And, 
And uh, I don't think that always means, you know, going to bed or taking a nap or anything like that. I think it's an, an intentional break where we just stop and gives us that opportunity to rest in his presence, to just have him talk to us, to our own heart, or to read scripture, or to pray. Um, Psalm 23, when I think about scriptures that, that point us in the direction of rest, Psalm 23 is a, is a powerful uh, metaphor for us, where the, David, the psalmist, writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Hmm. He leads me besides the still waters. He makes me take a break. And what's the result of that? Verse 3, he restores my soul. He restores my capacity. And, uh, and I think that that is good for us today. I don't think our ability to go without that uh, has changed since ancient times. Now, Jesus himself, um, you know, he, he practiced um, the very things that he invites you and I to do. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Why do we resist that so much? Why do we just resist just stopping for a rest, a mental, emotional, spiritual break? Uh, it's kind of we're, we're just more tightly wound than we need to be, and, uh, and God invites us to join him uh, for a place of, of rest that will restore our souls. Uh, too often we could be described like the multitudes of Jesus' day. This is not a modern problem. This is a human problem. And if you've ever been a human, we are subject to this. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. And when he, speaking of Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. I think that could describe us today in a lot of ways. When our hearts are overwhelmed, it leads us, he leads us to the rock that is higher than I. Jesus is the rock that is higher than we are, and this is his offer to us today. Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Jesus invites us this way, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, all of you who are overwhelmed, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Your capacity will be restored. If we just come to where Jesus is, where he invites us to, to come and, and just take a break from the world around us and all of the things that distress us and things that lead us in other directions. He gives us the ability to restore our souls. Isn't that what you want today? <laughs> you know, maybe you don't feel overwhelmed particularly right now, but perhaps you do. I think that's one of the great benefits of going to church. 
it just causes us to stop for an hour or so and just allow Jesus to talk to us. He wants to do that right now. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we don't always understand why it's so hard to take you up on your invitation, to just stop, to unload the things that we don't need to be carrying around. Lord, sometimes we feel like we are in control, but Lord, it's too easily demonstrated that we are not in control. And I pray today that we would stop long enough for you to speak to us. Oh, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Lord, teach us to wait. Teach us, Lord, to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. That you can restore us. You can carry our heavy burdens when we rest in you. So Jesus, we turn to you today. You are the one who can and will restore us. In Jesus' name, amen.